0: Blue ham raises, or razor curls, or whatever version you want to do.
1: We're gonna start the we're gonna start the podcast now and say episode. Welcome to episode twenty nine of the Strength Podcast. I'm gonna say, but breaking news. Okay, I got it. All right, ready? And three, two, one. Welcome to episode twenty nine of the Strength Ratio Podcast. This week we're going to be discussing markers of performance and progression. We're going to discuss both quantitative and qualitative measures of progression, so that you know. What you're doing in the gym is actually working, but before we dive into markers for progression and performance, we have breaking news. Can you do a little breaking news jingle, Kyle?
2: Da-da-da-da-da. Sports. No,
1: sports it's, got, it's <laughs> more important than that.
2: It's I not like a
1: newsroom, like uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, like that. So the the as of this morning, we're being told the the G of the glute ham developer is no longer or ought no longer to be part of said machine sobo can you chime in more
0: so you know as of as the world's going on right now there are a bunch of bright minds meeting in indianapolis indiana at the national strength and conditioning association national conference and they have determined through meta-analysis and multiple studies that the glute ham developer doing a glute ham raise actually does not do a great job at Developing the glutes. There is actually very little glute activation. It's primarily all a hamstring exercise. Very little glute activation.
2: Wow. And, and fun fact is that Zach will read anything off the teleprompter that's in front of him.
1: Anchorman reference <laughs> Oh,
2: funny. <laughs> you said newsroom. Oh, okay.
1: Um, I'm a little right, confused, let's... but I'm gonna keep going. Oh, uh, but the spinal erectors. Yeah, maybe they just uh, put in SEHD. Yeah. Like at the top of uh, top of a hip extension, right? Yeah. I mean, and, I and, and
0: well, Just the, the hand erectors hand. are mainly are mainly doing isometric contraction during a, a GHD race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it All makes right. sense if anybody's ever done a, a GHD to try to squeeze your glutes the whole time. It really doesn't work too well.
1: Yeah. So, for your uh, latest in live fitness announcements from um, Indianapolis. Check out our future shows. Um, All right, so we are in a hot corner of the gym without any fans on and the doors closed. That's not to have any distractions. My shirt is off. Sobo is ready to go, and And um, Sobo's shirt is on. I'm in an air conditioned room. Kyle's shirt is on. I don't have shoes on either. Um, But without further ado, uh, when you train, especially Concurrently or CrossFit specifically, where there are many training variables, and also if you train perhaps a sport such as weightlifting or powerlifting, where there are fewer exercises, your exercise selection is not as large, you still then have weight class considerations, which bring in this idea perhaps of body composition. There become many markers that we have to take into consideration. uh, Quantitative markers for performance and for body composition and also qualitative measurements uh, of performance. There might be better times to use one versus the other and perhaps for some sports versus another and also just dependent upon the individual and their training history. But regardless of what that person uh, prefers in terms of tracking their performance, there has to be some feedback loop that what you're doing in the gym has been worth your time, especially as your training age increases and it becomes harder to make gains. It takes a little bit more note taking and a little bit more looking at the details where even just one more rep, per set or one more rep in an AMRAP or five more pounds is really kind of what you're fighting for in a long enough timeline. Uh, and it's enough to keep you motivated to train. So Sobo uh, wanted to talk about this topic and I'm going to let him kick it off.
0: Okay. Yeah. So Zach gave a great run in there. My idea of this topic was you have multiple facets of performance and people of different kind of, um, I like to say kind of intensities of how they train, and you have the everyday gym, gym, well, gym goer that you know does is not maybe not doesn't have a you know meticulous log of their last eighteen years of training and exactly know that on this date in two thousand fourteen I did a three RM you know squat. Um, so you have those people, and then you have the people who are very meticulous who have just journals and journals of you know, training logs, or you have a whole rever- you know, wide range of people in between. And plus, you have, you know, life events that pop up. And maybe four years ago, you were training really well. And then, you know, something happened, you got a new job, you moved to city. And now you're only training three days a week, and you were training six. So there's all sorts of things to make sure that, you know, your training is going well. I mean, that's kind of the big thing is, am I training? Is it going well? Am I improving? Um, a lot of us get stuck in ruts where we just kind of Are doing what's prescribed to us, and do we know it works? Well, hopefully it's working, but sometimes we need that kind of that positive reassurance that you know what, I am getting better, I'm getting stronger. Here is you know a nice objective measure. Here's a nice subjective measure, you know, qualitative and quantitative measures of of performance, and thinking, okay, I'm I'm doing well here, just for the most part, for a psychological kind of you know motivation, but also a way to track to make sure you're actually getting better at where you're supposed to be getting better. So. That was kind of my basis of discussing this Um, because I think a lot of people struggle with this. You know, you're in the middle of a huge, you know, micro or huge uh, macro cycle and you're doing, you know, huge volume and you're like, "Am am I getting any stronger and what's going on? You might not be seeing quite, you know, body type changes or stuff you might see and some underlying things may get you disappointed and you might have to, you know, check in and do something every few weeks to, Say so, you know I am getting better. Just to kind of keep that positivity going in your workout.
1: So I'm going to keep you on the hot seat. Five uh, years ago, what did you do? You had all of the freedom in the world. <laughs> you were researching and training twice a day. And now look at you. You're you're married, and you have a child, and you have a home gym. Uh, how are things different? And how have you gone about approaching exactly what you just stated? What, what are some uh, – some-
0: yeah, yeah, so I would say freedom. Freedom is not – it's not like I'm in prison now. Um, you know, it's just it, – life gets different. It changes. Um, so, yeah, a couple years – five years ago, I was training, you know, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. every day and, and working and and kind of living that, the the the, sh- the bachelor life. So now I get about, about a 45-minute window a day to work out. Um, if, little baby Addie is, is behaving. Um, so yeah, things change. So right now I, you know, my, I can tell you right now my strength is significantly different, but I try to, to do different variations of testing myself. Um, uh, one time I was just every, every Friday or uh, Friday and Monday. So on Monday I would put weight on the bench and I would just how many reps could I get for how, how heavy could I do 20 reps? So put one, on the bar one week. Okay. Did 20 reps. Okay. Next week did one ninety five. you know, got 19. So I kind of played like just, you know, some simple, am I getting stronger from week to week? Just based off of a 20 rep max. I chose 20 because, you know, I didn't want to try to, you know, do a one RM and, and you know, 10 RMS or five RMS. I, I didn't really want to go heavy cause I'm by myself. And I figured if I, You know, dropped one eighty five on my chest. I could easily get that off, not you know three hundred. So that's why I chose a twenty RM just to see. You know, try to play a little mental game with myself. So that's changed significantly. So you kind of have to do it because it's 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 a grind, especially you know in my lifestyle now. It's kind of random. Okay, I have forty five minutes. I can. What am I going to do? Some cardio real quick. So I really don't have a a great. I have a a basic structure. I do um, a three day split. I do a, a. pure strength day. I do a a mixed strength cardio day with, um, you know, some, some intervals and some circuitry and then a pure cardio day. So I have, I have a a routine, but I don't have, it's not super structured because, you know, some days I I don't get a workout in. So I have little benchmarks to just keep me positive and make sure I'm still working. So the 20 RM I did for a while, Um, I'm now doing a, a one minute test. Um, so I keep the same weight and I just see how many reps I can do in a minute. Um, just simple stuff like that to make sure that I'm still progressing. If I am doing, you know, 30 reps in a minute of something and I come back the next week and I'm only doing 20, something's wrong. So hopefully I I improve a little bit every week. It takes one minute to do the test and I usually do it. So if I do a squat test, I do my sets of squat. I hit my, my one minute test. It's light enough. It's long enough that I can still do a pretty good amount. So kind of there for me mentally just to check in and to kind of give me um, motivation to keep you know pushing myself without going super heavy by myself in my garage gym.
1: And I think when those adjustments aren't made around life's changing demands or potential changing demands is when people can end up either injuring themselves or just totally dropping all of it because they're They don't have something clear to compare themselves against. They they might just be only comparing against numbers from the past. So I think that's so important to not just have data from the past, but to have data from a more recent uh, uh, future or sorry, more recent past. Whoa, that'd be crazy. A more recent past to be able to stay motivated and to not overdo it or potentially uh, injure yourself.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's it's kind of a psychological and physiological, you know, just kind of a a, a check in, kind of, you know, it, it keeps you motivated, keeps you going, just kind of gives you a little test. I know that after I do my bench press, I'm going to have a 20 rep coming up, and it's like I got 20 last time, let's get 21. It's 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 good mentally, and it keeps you it keeps you motivated, keeps you kind of gives you a little little test of yourself, especially if you're working out by yourself or not being able to compete with, you know, friends and, and, you know, atmosphere is really good. Five years ago, I had, I had a group of, of people we called a swole club and, you know, I had a really good group of guys I was training with and, and a couple of gals as well. So that's gone now. So everything changes. And when life changes, you have to chain, train, change accordingly, or I can't keep comparing myself to my, my glory high school, or my glory college football days where, I was significantly stronger and in better shape than I am now.
2: I think that just speaks to making the assessments or the progressions relevant to the goals uh, that you have for yourself. And that if you're in a sport, the sport that you've chosen. So you wouldn't want to you know, have um, a test that you couldn't complete at this point in your life uh, because you didn't have the time to work towards it. Appearance is probably the number one factor in any uh, training program for uh, the results that you get. Uh, but just making sure that things that you're measuring and tracking are relevant to the goals that you have uh, or the sport that you're in. Uh, that example would just be uh, a powerlifter wouldn't want to do a 5K row as their uh, tester. Or if, if health is your goal, you might want to have a variety of tests in the gym and maybe even some out the gym as well. Yeah, because and there's so many variables that you can
1: choose regardless of your sport you have every body composition metric you have strength you can look at power, repeat, power repeatability which is kind of like your, your one minute test you have endurance tests you can even look at video more subjectively to see improvements in technique um you might even follow a, a program that has some kind of, uh, some gymnastics programs do this. Uh, is they have kind of very clear laid out steps that you follow. The idea is that you have something that you can measure and improve upon over time. Um, and, and I think also that it's okay if those goals change. So that maybe at some point, periods of the year, and I think that this should even just be a natural part of a periodized plan, you might be focused on strength. But as you have less time in the gym, with not as much time to add weight to the bar, and with not as much time to rest from your subsequent sets, then you might change your goals and say, okay, well, if I only have 45 minutes in the gym, I might not want to do a strength block of training. I might want to see how much mass I can add up. Or how much volume I can create over time, how much volume I can build over time, or like a power repeatability test. So, like you'd mentioned, Sobo. So, time, I think, plays an important variable uh, as well as atmosphere and the sports specific side of it all. But actually choosing, and, and sometimes our athletes will say, it's very common, what should my goal be? Or people say that, I think, when asking, when paying for a service, the last the professional, Across from them, what should my goal be? But to have that honest reflection as for what it is that is real, you get back to, I mean, setting realistic, uh, goals or smart goals. As long as you have a way of actually taking the notes, because if you went totally uh, on the subjective side, you can trick yourself and you may not actually be getting better. An example of that, especially if you're training higher rep ranges or volumes is if you don't know what you did earlier in the week that totally goes out the window, but it's kind of easy to remember week to week. But when you look at, and as we always uh, preach this, not just a, a six month improvement or a three week boot And we're looking at change over the course of many multiple years where if I think that I've set a PR and volume on my shoulder press, I might look back five years ago and say, Oh, actually that wasn't the case. But then I have a change in body weight. And there's all this stuff that goes on that helps you continue forward on your way. Because I've seen with a lot of people when life changes, it becomes a matter not of just having them get in the gym, but actually to stay healthy. Because if they're not sleeping, if life gets pretty stressful, or their eating habits change, just to have something that they do in their day that is consistent is so important.
2: I was talking for quite some time there. <laughs> um, do we want to get into maybe how you would uh, like choose these for certain sports? Uh, I would, I would think more specific. Uh, things, yeah, yeah, more specific. Because um, I would say it's kind of a continuum where easier ones to track would be more, where there's like a single output that you're looking for. So weightlifting, uh, the overall uh, performance metric would probably be. Increasing your one RM because that's that's the goal. Uh, same with powerlifting. Endurance could be if you're. 5RM.
1: Can, can we back up and spend one more time on powerlifting?
2: Yeah, I, I was I was going to come back to it. Oh, you. I was just kind of kind
1: of you off your Keep going. Yeah,
2: let's just talk about the team. Okay, fine. Five. Like if you're a runner and you run five Ks mainly, be improving your five K, marathon, etc. Where there's where there's like a single output to improve, it's very easy to see if you got better or, or if you haven't. To the other end of the continuum, which would be uh, maybe your CrossFit, where there's so many things to prove upon, uh, you have to really be uh, a little bit more nitpicky, I guess, uh, on what you're choosing. And it would also depend on your strengths and weaknesses in that sport, let's say. Um, And then in all of those, you also have to, again, back to making sure they're relevant. A certain phase of training that you're in, or the time of year, or even uh, if you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced athlete, you can change all of these metrics that you might have. Uh, so, now going back to powerlifting uh, and weightlifting, probably the more simpler ones. Um, obviously, we said like the 1RM or the weight lifted uh, in competition would be the ultimate performance metric. But if you're in, let's say, a hypertrophy phase or work capacity phase, it would be best saying potentially your uh, best five by 10 in a squat uh, where if you did 315 pounds for a five by 10 uh, three months ago, and now you're doing 360 five by 10, you've likely gotten stronger, even though your one RM might not have got gone up in that time period because you're so far away from strength work. As you come down, you'll likely have a new one RM because of those increases there. And we've talked a little bit about this in the first couple episodes. About the adaptations of it occur, So,
1: and I would say that a power lifter, especially because most power lifters don't train, at least historically in America, I, I don't know about yeah. other countries, I haven't trained higher volumes. Getting a, it could be any rep range, but just hitting multi rep maxes can yeah. be a way of keeping yourself in the game, so to speak, or, or, or keep yourself training. And staying motivated for a knowing while. that you're getting stronger without just one or being. Yeah, you know, so while yeah. they're simple to to track, yeah. they can actually be harder psychologically for those very reasons mm-hmm. um, because it's just black and white, yes and no. So, like a weightlifter, it would benefit them to know multi rep maxes as a way to keep motivation up, but they also might want to set maxes in different complexes mm-hmm. and with different variations of the pool. So, it might sound silly to say, and this is not to say that you would go off program to create a one rep max in a style of lift that you've never done before and say you're progressing. That's yeah. very different. Yeah. So be like- uh, that's where
2: specificity comes
1: Yeah. Back. So yeah. like today I'm going to PR my no hook, no feet snatch. And uh, then I'm going to PR my five rep behind the neck jerks. Like, you no, know, you, you might select a complex for a given cycle. You might establish a max in that complex. And then a couple months later- is something that weightlifters do commonly because when you go up only against one RMs, it can especially for athletes who are very well trained and have great training ages that so you have to create opportunities for this low hanging fruit ultimately mm-hmm. when the goal or the measurement is so black and white. yeah. Uh, so have you done any, uh, cause I know you're, you're quite good with the psychological side of things with keeping people motivated uh, have you done anything like that for powerlifters or weightlifters? Yeah, I mean, almost exactly what you
0: guys are talking about. Some form of you know low hanging fruit that you can keep them like, oh man, my my squat hasn't gone up in three, in, you know, two years, but I can say, but you can hit, you know, almost you know forty more pounds of your your you know your five RM than you did three years ago. A lot, you know, we look at your data from three years ago, and you only hit you know kind of like three fifteen for five. Now you're hitting three sixty five for five like stuff like that you just set up in the programming if you have good programming it's going to be kind of naturally in there that you can say look back like okay even check like you know pre and post a cycle or, you know every month or every two months just have a, a simple little test a five rep max of your whatever complex it could be you know whatever thing you want to decide push jerk you know squat front squat whatever it is just have something that may not be a max because you're not going for a max during that cycle. And that, that just helps like, okay, I'm still, I'm, I'm improving because you're, you're, you're like, all right, I'm a power lifter. I'm really going for one RM eventually, but I'm, you know, 12 weeks out, but I feel like I've just been grinding and beating my head against the wall for the last, you know, four weeks. You kind of need something to be like, Oh wait, I am getting stronger. Like, and it kind of just keeps that fire burning. Cause if you just, you know, it's so much, of powerlifting and, and weightlifting is just attrition. Like you do the same five lifts every day, every three days, and it mentally just fries people out without that, kind of that, that moments of, yes, things are going well.
1: Yeah, I, I would say uh, for a powerlifter, you kind of know what you're getting or you know more what you're getting yourself into from a number standpoint perhaps than in weightlifting. Uh, just given the weight times and weightlifting and perhaps making the argument that it's a little bit more finesse-based and technical. Yeah, I think
2: that the technicality of it adds a lot. Because you could PR your squat by a huge number in weightlifting and that that wouldn't necessarily transfer yeah, to So snatch.
1: So I think another point to be said before we go on to someone who, who competes in CrossFit and eventually in endurance sports is we'll just... Work this continuum one at a time. Is that if you are a weightlifter, because you never know what's going to happen on meat day, you can have the best training, a few training months of your life, and, and bomb out, and, and vice versa. Is that you should continue to show up if you genuinely like doing it. Don't let a bad training week take you out of it, especially if you still have a great joy for the sport. If it's a way that you relieve stress sign up for the meet, go compete. You never know who else is going through the same thing. And, and you, you might actually surprise yourself with, uh, not by not having the standards or expectations so high. Yeah.
2: That's a really good point. So do you want to speak to endurance a little bit? Um, for my, for most endurance sports, I would actually see powerlifting and endurance being a little bit the same in that sense where it's very simple when the, in what you're tracking.
0: Yeah, for- I, if if you we could kind of go through like I mean running like you, you touched on a little bit when you introduced it like 5K if your 5K is getting faster you're getting faster um, and that's something I mean running is actually fairly easy to measure because you can you can do the repeatability of workouts is a whole lot easier than you know it what it is in kind of some other sports like you know I can go test a 5K and still do Extra work afterwards, I can go do a hard 5k and then do a 20 minute cooldown and get plenty of work in. So, your endurance runners, you can have like a 5k in rowing, um, they do a, a, a 6k test that's more endurance. Um, cycling, they do um, you could do sometimes they do like crit- critical velocity tests, um, they do some longer rides, but the repeatability in endurance um, makes it a little kind of easier to do a benchmark. I always tell, you know, my students and people I work with, you know, if you're, if you're training endurance and you want to know if you're getting better, just grab a stopwatch and do, do a workout and then do it again in three weeks. And you should get a little bit better. I mean, it should be, I mean, at the time with that being so linear, it's, I mean, if you get better, a 25 minute 5k and you come back and run it in 2453, you're seven seconds better. And you might have been forty seconds better and had a bad day, or you, you know, but you might have had a good day and you know been twenty seconds better. So stuff with that is, especially with endurance sports being it pure linear, it's a little easier to check in on yourself. Um, and and I and I suggest if you're primarily an endurance sports athlete, you um, have checkpoints. I know um, working with rowers, we did we uh, have like a checkpoint. We do these. Um, thousand meter test every week. It's kind of a, a we usually do them on like Wednesdays or Thursdays where they do, um, a, a, they do a, a, a 1K at a certain split and they do two of them and they go, wow, that was really hard. I couldn't do two. And then they come back the next week and they do three and they say, wow, that was really hard. And then they come back and do four. And then you're like, week one, you did two. You said you were dead. Week four, you just did four. You're getting better. You're getting in better shape. So different things like that. You can you can look at repeatability. You can look at decrease in time. I did five sprints and I couldn't move. Now I'm doing ten sprints at the same thing. Um, that's a common football test. On any uh, high school football players or college players or anybody who played um, the standard one ten test that student call you know college athletes run and high school athletes run. Uh, gassers type thing start out week one of summer condition you do two gassers and by the end of summer condition you've worked up to 10 gassers or 20 gassers that's just a simple metric of progression and oh my goodness i'm just I breathing heavy on two and by the end of july before football camp starts or soccer camp starts i did 15 and no problem you know so you can kind of if you know the test that's coming and kind of how the it's being programmed those will be naturally in in endurance or pure cardio kind of testing in programming,
2: um, and I, I think what we're all, or what it seems we're all kind of echoing, is that it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It's, it can be very simplistic, especially in, in any of these initial sports we talked about with, with this kind of uh, output that's not too big, like crazily varied, because mm-hmm. um, the goal is very defined in terms of the distance that you need to do that, the weight that needs to get better. Et cetera, et cetera. Now, what, one thing
1: that does become tricky and, and just is, as a coach, you can show your athletes, those results, they, they can't, they can't, I mean, they can't proc themselves out of seeing that you've done one more interval and you've added X amount of weight and you've added reps. I think what gets challenging is in CrossFit with the CrossFit Open. Like you said, you can piggyback off all those examples from endurance and weightlifting that you're working on. You can look at rep maxes and all the gymnastics, uh, uh, movements that you have. But with how varied the Open is and with how high the demands are for you to perform and how big the field is, it can be hard, very hard in CrossFit
2: to gauge. How well you've done. Yeah, because there's not that. You, you don't know exactly what you're building for. It's because you don't know the workouts. And, and,
1: and you you can't really run the statistics on if I had not tripped on. I mean, you can do this for any competition, but it, it's if, if take that double under workout, like 300 double under was barely anyone completed it. But yeah. if you tripped uh, what those seconds add up to in the leaderboard, and what that ultimately means for your, your progress, especially as you get more and more competitive. Because mm-hmm. if you're in this beginner to intermediate stage in crossfit, you'll see this climb up the leaderboard. But as you get more and more competitive, you know what's and you're trying to go to regionals and you're trying to then go to the games, it is very, very hard to know what then you have to work on yeah. because you can't
2: predict what the workout could, is. Because you could like uh, if you have these metrics, you could get better. Your one arm, your one RM went up. Uh, your five, your rowing five care went up. You did sixty pull ups in this time. You did this. It doesn't in and, and CrossFit because they're random workouts. You don't always know that that that's going to exactly transfer and like that, these other sports. And that's why having
1: the retest in there is so important. Um, if I remember correctly, this was the first year they did not go retest. You know, which workout did they retest this year, Sobo?
0: I can't remember. I, th- I think they did one, though, didn't they?
1: That was four, .3. Look that up real fast. I-, I am embarrassed to balk on this. But uh, those repeat workouts in the open, they do help answer those concerns. But it is very specific. Let's just say uh, one year it was uh, completed and it was a weakness of yours. As a CrossFitter, you should probably at some time in your off season around this time of summer and perhaps early fall, check in on those uh, open workouts. Because while it might be hard to gauge your standings, on the leaderboard and in some of these more competitive online qualifiers such as Granite Games and Waterpalooza, those repeat workouts are your best bet to know that, okay, my my CrossFit fitness, more specifically, my CrossFit endurance and work
2: capacity is improving. Yeah, and you touched on this uh, very briefly there, but another way you could have some of those qualifier workouts, interspersed. you might not actually be doing the competition, but they could be interspersed in there to see how you stack up the people in your region or in the, in the mm-hmm. country as well um, to get some, a little bit more data um, because if you're seeing that you're doing like top five, especially in your region for people who have done it and you know, and this person beats you in, in the open and you've probably improved and it could just be the workout was to your favor, uh, but it, it could help as well. So let's let's take a step back from
1: uh, the performance measures and talk more about
2: body composition. Well, I, I was actually gonna before we do that, I was gonna ask Sobo um, for a sport like CrossFit uh, so varied. Oh, how w- I'll, I'll, don't let me forget. Yeah, how would how would you go about setting up your markers uh, uh, for performance? Um, would you choose you know, one strength test, one endurance test, one mixed modal test, or would you have a couple of each interspersed with kind of what we've just talked about as well?
0: Well, my approach across it, and this is just my kind of opinion, is you're going to have your traditional strength. So, you, you, I mean, you're going to constantly have to know your 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 clean and jerk, your snatch kind of, and I guess now maybe bench press, since they kind of put that in there a little bit. But, you know, you got to have kind of your, your benchmark strength and doesn't mean you, they have to go up but you should know kind of where you are in strength wise even if you're not in a strength cycle you never like you know i know some people just kind of pick local crossfit events to go to and you never know like oh i'm in i'm in my volume cycle and this saturday crossfit event had me do a one rm clean and jerk you should always have an idea of what you should be able to clean and jerk or you know squatter on any given day um so you kind of have to keep in track with that which if you have if you're putting strength into your program, you're going to know kind of a rough estimate if you're doing five by five. That should be roughly based off of what your one RM is. I mean, even if you're kind of doing it by perception. So strength-wise, it's kind of falling along the lines of a power lifter or a weight where you kind of have a value. And that doesn't mean that has to be super high, but you kind of have, you know your, your strength value at that given time. Um, I like to, and Zach can probably, back to my, my days when I used to do this, I knew exactly my, um, like I, I, I would always have a standard measurement of what I could do fresh and what I could do fatigued. So those were kind of my markers. So like chest-to-bar pull-ups, like I could do 30 unbroken fresh, but after I fatigued my arms, I could only do 15. So, like, I would I would know my limits rather than maybe, like, not a marker of progression, but a, a marker of limits with CrossFit, I guess I would say is my my
2: recommendation. How, how would you go about uh, putting those in the in the program uh, that's not, like, uh, going to distract from what you're trying to build as well?
0: So, like, you know, at the end of a workout, um, I would, you know, say, okay, today I'm going to test my, you know – Unbroken pull-ups, and I mean it's just simple. It's I mean you shouldn't have to do a lot of warm-up or like well, I'm going to test my you know on un- my handstand walk today. I'll give myself three attempts to go as far as I can. And granted, handstand walks are luck, and you know sometimes you might be able to walk 100 feet, other times you might be able to walk 80. But in a competition, <laughs> you're going to have an 80 foot handstand walk, down broken, and you're going to have a 10 foot you know step handstand walk unbroken. But if you're good enough, I'm sure over repeatability of doing stuff, you should be able to have a general idea. Like I know I can make it 50 feet pretty solidly with a handstand lock. or I know I can I can do you know thrusters. I can I can do them pretty quickly, or you know, or you know, I can do a heavy thruster at 225. So. Um, Having that idea just an easy. I mean, most of these aren't aren't going to hopefully set you back. I mean, like sometimes you do a one RM, you're going to be dead for a couple of days because it hurt a lot. Pick a test that's not going to hurt you and affect your programming the next three days. You know, like if you do some of these, you know, these these big metcons, or you're going to test, you know, a workout from the open. If you're going to do that, you got to program that in so that you know you're going to have a rest day after doing you know, 180 pull-ups in a a workout. So I like to test it more on a kind of a a micro scale. How many pull-ups can I do in a row? I just did 20. 20 pull-ups in a row is not going to, you know, fry out my lats and shoulders for the next three days. But it's going to give me a good test of where I am, you know, or my row. How, you know, what's a, you know, my power minute test. How hard can I go for a minute? It's going to be tiring. It's going to suck. But hopefully it's not going to affect the rest of my training. So if you have those throughout, and, and with that, if they're, if they're small enough and easy enough, you could test them fairly often to kind of see where you are. And then that will give you an idea, especially in CrossFit, how you're going to perform the event. So if I know my max, my max unbroken chest-to-bar pull-ups is 20, and it recalls for me doing sets of 20 and I have to do chest bar pull-ups and overhead and snatches, I know that I'm not going to be able to do 20 unbroken every time. And I'm going to know, I'm going to kind of know when to break and that, that will help you. I think a lot of, you know, Rich Froning and Frazier and kind of the elite CrossFit people is they know when to break. You break what it's at the right, a moment in time. If you break too early, you're going to kind of shoot yourself because you know, you had more in the tank, but if you break too late, then you're going to be fried. And next thing you know, your break's going to be 30 seconds of your hands on your knees, you know, sucking in oxygen. So knowing yourself through. Small little tests. Um, I know Zach mentioned this a while ago, but like a lot of Rich Froning's training is he goes hard and then he figures out where that threshold is and then he stops. So, he's going to do a workout and be like, you know what? I figured it out. I figured out that I can do 20 unbroken pulps and be fine. And then he's done. So, he knows his, his threshold is 20 and being able to do repeatabilities of 20 unbroken pulps for 10, 15 rounds. So... For CrossFitters,
1: it's a little unique, but
0: those are kind of my suggestions.
1: And I, I do think that, like you said, helps with what the elite athletes need more than anything, and that that is pacing. And, and really, with CrossFit, I think that you'll you'll only run in, or if you do it long enough, you can rely on those tests pretty accurately, because you're not going to really run into a combo. That smokes or creates a type of distraction that you just you're totally overwhelmed by. Like you might read or work out wrong on paper, and then you experience something else in like in, in the actual session as it comes up. But I wouldn't worry about like what other specific pieces are distracting or creating that soreness in the arms for pull-ups or in the shoulders for handstand push-ups. Does that make sense, Sobo? Because some people might say, well. Where did the soreness come from? What was it paired with? But I think what you're say- saying in the way I've always understood this is that it's almost under any circumstance of fatigue or perhaps the greatest level of fatigue, you know what you can do, not just dependent well, on different exercises.
2: I, I can, I mean, you might, just from what you're saying, it would make sense to test it very locally and then also maybe a systematic one paired with it as well. So like if you check the chest, bar like a very local endurance test would be a ski erg and then going to do it where one more systematic one would be like the salt like a row going to it. So, you know, if you've built up a ton of local fatigue, this is what I can do. And if I'm just going through like a really hard workout, this is what I can do. Would that, would that be a good way to split it, Sobo?
0: Yeah, you, that, that's a good way to kind of to put it up. I mean, and you can fatigue yourself, you know, systematically on different exercises. I mean, a rowing in an erg, are gonna, you know, rowing and, and uh, I mean, a uh, uh, hand uh, crap, crap, a ski erg or a, a air bike is gonna affect you differently, but it's still your you your breathing rates up. Whether you did that from a run or a row, and then you got to do handstand walk, right? I mean, that that's gonna do it. Then okay, I am gonna do handstand walk after doing heavy push presses. So if, if you know the condition of fatigue, no workout's ever gonna stress you outside of that. I So, I mean, whatever they throw at you, I mean, even though people hate Castro and some of his programming, he does test those beforehand. And I know he has tested workouts and gotten feedback that this is not possible. And they might tweak it or he might say, you know what, it's impossible, but I just want to see him die. And there, I mean, he does do some of that more at the games level, but uh, I mean, at that point, if you just add strength on strength, you know what you're getting, what am how can I do a max effort? clean and jerk after I've just done 40 push presses. Like you know that the system in the local is not going to change. It might just change on how you get there. But if you know your strength under stress, you know your strength under fatigue, you're uh, you're good.
1: That's you what know, we definitely check in on as we get closer to the opens mm-hmm. as evidenced by how the lifts are often featured. It's usually after. not what you do fresh. It's what yeah. you do under fatigue. So certainly good to build up your capacity and your technique in the off-season. And as you get closer to, to the open, you you assess maybe strictly under fatigue or at the end of a session. Uh, any anything else we want to talk about for, for CrossFit or or before body count? Do you have
2: anything you want to
0: add, Selva? No, and this kind of it's it's general to what you want. I know the online programming with strength ratio does a good job, but like you have to determine this on your own and what's best for you. Like CrossFit's so varied, but you may say, you know what, I, I really need to figure out how to work on my chest-to-bar pull-ups out of a fatigue condition. And maybe you test that, you know, do a do a, a five 500-meter test, 500-meter row as hard as you can, and then do as many pull-ups as you can. It takes It's going to take less than five minutes, and you're going to be like, wow, if I try to do a max effort, you know, chest-to-bar pull-up after, you know, doing a hard row, I can only do 15. Well, now you know, you know that once you're smoked and you're breathing heavy, 15 is your max. So if you're ever in a competition, you know, you're not going to get anywhere near 15. You want to stay away from that number. So, I mean, just, you can, you can play around with it, especially with CrossFit and and use different modalities to fatigue you, but they're going to be about the same. You run and you erg or you, you know, bike, however you get your fatigue yourself, your body's going to, respond similar if you do the same test over and over again. So run, run a mile, figure out what your clean and jerk is. Row a mile clean and jerk should be fairly similar. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Uh, you're going to, uh, no, I I think that's, I think it's a great point. And and I I do think, uh, that I personally could involve a bit more of that for my CrossFitters and Mm -hmm. certainly have notes about doing so for the upcoming season. But I think it's a great point. I think that there aren't all that many exercises that you'd have to do that with, so it wouldn't take a lot of time. Well, uh, I I know if you
2: just look on Google, you can look up there's like the 21 most featured Mm -hmm. movements in CrossFit, and that would give you somewhere to start. Yeah. Because there's going to always be ones that kind of come out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. but there's ones that are almost always there as well. Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) And and, and there will always, almost always be on a localized level. Uh, some distraction of perhaps a heavier lift or an AMRAP set. Like in this year's uh, clean workout, the legs were intentionally just smoked like as was the breathing, but there'll be localized distraction and there will be sis- uh, systemic distraction. So you, you have to ultimately be able to involve some in your training. If you, if you haven't,
2: then the open is just going to smack you in the face by the time you get there. Well, and, a, and a quick, uh, add on here is that you know in, uh, some of our peers talk about, it about programming uh might not want to you don't want to have quite a few of these at this time of the year but you probably want, want to be like doing this all the time no yes uh, if you're trying to get someone sh- if you're I, trying I to picture, get strong i can yeah. pick this
1: some of my athletes to be like i know know how many hand pushups and muscle ups yeah
2: Loves toes to bar. I could do after. But yeah, I mean, if you're far away from the season and you're trying to get stronger and trying to get uh, better at endurance,
1: um, the same thing. yeah,
2: you you would want to train those somewhat separately to get better at them, and then over time, mold them together.
1: Some some kind of sensible plan, uh, especially when the year is so clearly laid out. Uh, I, I do want to finish with this talk of uh, body composition because realistically, while uh, we all have certain performance goals in the gym we also have uh, certain aesthetics that we want to uphold Zach, Zach says he's now naked uh, the, the socks and, uh, <laughs> socks and shorts short and so, on. so some uh, aesthetic goals or uh, goals uh, pertaining to a weight class that you would like to compete in and uh, Sobo, I was just wondering if you can answer this question have you, in working with uh, um, friends or uh, when you talk about nutrition to your students, you talk about ways outside of just the quantitative weight on the scale that you can use to measure progress towards whatever, whether it's fat loss or muscle gain uh, goals one might have? So we can get into
0: the, the, the scientific um, stuff, I mean, body composition is always good to have. Um, so if you have access to that, I, you know, the skin folds, people knock on skin folds, but that is, um, actually been around for a long time and it's, it's validated and proven. And if you're really good at doing skin folds, um, so if you're looking at changing your body composition, body composition and weight aren't the same, the scale doesn't tell you what's happening with your body. You should um, if you are honest with yourself, you should have a, a view of what you look like. So, you, you, hopefully, maybe if you look in the mirror and you say, "Well, I'm looking different," I know there's all those transformational before and after photos. So, if you take those, that might work too to help you out. Um, the problem that people run into is body composition takes time. This isn't like a three-week, um, you know, thing you can do every three weeks. Take a picture of yourself. You're not going to see huge differences in three weeks. You're not gonna see huge differences in three weeks with the skin fold either. Um, they're actually saying that like with a DEXA or uh bod pod, um, that you know, three or four weeks is too close to even measure differences. So you are just messing with the the um, reliability at that point. It's just you're gonna be off by some variation. So if you do a bod pod every week, you know, one week you might have look like you've gained 10% or 2% body fat or next week it may say you lost 2% and you're going to say, right, what's going on here? That's just the variation in the measuring device. So if you are looking at body composition, you got, it's more of a, a long-term, I mean, six to eight weeks to actually see some visible, visible, visible changes or even some measurable changes with skin folds or, um, you know, body comp that way. But stepping on a scale, I mean, if you – Drink a lot of water one night, you're, you're going to weigh more. If you weigh yourself in the morning, you're probably going to weigh less than if you weigh yourself at three o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, repeatability, weight's probably your best chance, but it has to be under the same conditions. People lose weight when you sleep. So, you know, every morning, and if you've, depending on if you ate at eight o'clock or midnight, that weight in the morning is going to change as well. So, um, I love skin folds. I always tell people it really doesn't even matter. Um you kinda get a baseline you do a skin fold. Do you guys do skin folds there? No. No, we we don't have anyone. Last time is... I used
1: them, you you were teaching them to uh are... I mean you can you can get
0: you, this is a funny you can get like a cheap pair of skin folds off of I like Amazon now for like twelve bucks and and just it just and, and just you know we call it do it the pinch test and just te- just pinch yourself every few months and you know, or have somebody test you. You're not going to be able to pinch yourself in some of the areas. And then the initially you're going to get a value, and then you put it in the formula, and it says your body fat's 18. So let's say you're doing, you know, the a three site of you know the abdomen, uh, tricep and thigh, and your sum is you know 85 millimeters of skin pinched. And then you come back and you test yourself in four months, and it's at 79. You know, you probably you probably lost a little bit of subcutaneous fat somewhere in there. And, it, I mean, it could be as simple as that for some people. I know that we test people in a bod pod index all the time who really want to know their true value. And there is error with every measurement. So, you know, it's kind of hard but to measure day in and day out. But, you know, if you really want to know it, you have to go somewhere to get it done. But weight and body composition are two different things. So don't get those confused either.
2: Well, how I've always heard or approached it is you might want to also have like um, a couple metrics, especially for body weight because or not body weight for body composition, because of what you're saying, how body weight can fluctuate quite a lot. Um, Your perception of how you look in the mirror can change. Um, And it takes a long time for things like uh, a pinch test to work that you might want to have like a, like all three together where like a picture, oh this, this, there's some changes here, uh, the weight on the scale, and uh, a more objective test. So that way you can say, well, one of them is um, had a bad outcome, but the other two were good outcomes, then I'm okay. But if maybe two of them are bad outcomes and one's a good outcome, then you might want to make some changes or things like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with the science
0: is you, you need a three-component model. So, if you want to get really true scientific, you have to do a skin fold, a DEXA, and a BOD pod, or even a, bring in a, a bioelectrical impedance to get total body water. So, I mean, for science purposes, we do three of them. We usually do a, a, a bioelectrical impedance, a BOD pod, and a DEXA, and that gives us the three component model outside the scope of most normal people. So, a photograph, a scale, and you know, some other measurement will will give you the give you a three. You know, if two or three are getting better, you're probably getting better.
1: And you know, one thing that and, and perhaps end here is to have along with because these would all be numerical values, some kind of journaling or qualitative feedback can be immensely helpful because on a long enough timeline you might not recall why there was a certain drop in performance, or you might not uh, be making the best comparisons based on different lifestyle event, uh lifestyle oh, yeah. factors, or events that are happening it's around. It's really easy you. to
2: convince yourself that things are going bad or that you look bad. Or,
1: it is, yeah. yeah, and and especially if you took note or, or read what you uh, what your thoughts were many years ago in the form of journaling. You get just or the, even a couple months ago, or then, even just a couple months yeah. ago, yeah. You, you get some feedback um, as for how you're progressing. This could even be really helpful if you're dealing with uh, residual pains and you're starting on a plan with a coach or uh, a physio of the like to resolve these pains is maybe you are rating your daily pain, you are taking note of things you can and cannot do. This all falls under uh this, this idea of tracking and, and taking measurements um, just because a lot of fitness uh, uh, tracking devices we use one, I can pull up data from an athlete from four years ago. And if they have comments there, it shows me numerical data. I might even have a video there so I can see what technique looks like. And I might even have their own thoughts about it. So that would be like the, the three prong version the scientific version of body composition, but that could perhaps be what you use on a long enough timeline for your performance. I guess the more thorough you are with your reporting, the more passionate or uh, not passionate, sorry, but the more uh, maybe number oriented you are. But just know that even if you aren't one to track or you don't like tracking, you might want to just for your, force yourself to do at least one aspect of it. If it's not qualitative, oh, yeah. do quantitative or vice versa. But that can definitely help when you look back over your time. All right. Any closing thoughts, Sobo? Um pick something, do it,
0: enjoy it, record it, and continue to monitor it just for your physical and emotional kind of psyche well-being. So it keeps you motivated, positive. We all have ruts, you know, giving yourself a goal. I mean, I think I, I work with just a lot of students and doing a 5K, training for a 5K. Give yourself something to progress towards. If it's general health, you can get a little harder because you're like, okay, what's general health? So set these goals. You know, I want to get stronger. This is what I want to do. So even if you're not trying to be a CrossFitter or an Olympic lifter or a power lifter, you know, have tiny goals for yourself, and then then you can track to see if you accomplish them. So you get that psychological benefit of yes, I achieved my goal. That low hanging fruit. I today I ran a mile in eight minutes. I want to train and get better at running and you know 730 don't just say I want to be a better runner have kind of more specific goals and then you can measure those
1: and enjoying the process you do have to take this important time to recognize when that progress is happening I think so often that we uh, get caught up in the outcomes that we don't really create a fulfillment or a sense of joy around it that when we that outcome, it's just not even worth it, at least in our mind, celebrating. So perhaps along with this, just a general healthy guideline of having some kind
2: of process, yeah. uh, mindset. And knowing the process is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. In, in it's to be hard too. Too. All episode, right. Guys.
1: We, uh, we spoke about a lot. All right. Uh, and, and tomorrow we'll wake up and uh, it'll be the first official day, first official full day where... No longer called the GHD. <laughs> In fact, uh, I, I want to go on Rogue now to see if it's still there. Yeah, it's probably still there. Not, they're not going to change it. Changed uh-huh.
2: overnight. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys,
1: thanks for listening. Uh, episode thirty coming to you next week. Thirty from nine, whatever. That <laughs> is.
2: Bye, guys. See ya. Adios.